time to strap in for another edition of the Cars Guide podcast, the show that takes you beyond the test drive. This is episode number 217, Best SUVs Coming in 2022. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James Cleary, and joining me in looking at the new SUVs heading towards Aussie showrooms this year are two of our brilliant contributing journalists, Stephen Corby and Andrew Chesto Chesterton. G'day, Hello. fellas. G'day. G'day, James. Um, we'll also take a look at the fresh metal we've been driving this week and dive into your feedback. YouTubers, you can jump ahead via the time codes in the notes or click on the chapter markers in the timeline. So let's go. And we'll kick it off with SUVs. We've got a fair few uh, to cover. We'll, we'll do SUVs and what we've called in, in a companion story, uh, crossovers, both authored by our own Justin Hilliard. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll go through both. And a name that I haven't heard of uh, for some time kicks it off, Mahindra. And the evocatively named XUV700, and I don't know whether that replaces the 5 and 600, but it's the XUV700. And it's going to be late this year, but it's going to, I don't know whether you guys uh, took a look at the pic. It looks a bit like a Renault. It's got these Renault-inspired headlights. Lights, yeah. But it'll have uh, turbo petrol and diesel power, and I'm sure it will be priced competitively, dare I say, aggressively. Yep. And at the risk of sounding mean, I had forgotten entirely that Mahindra was even a brand in yeah. Australia. So I'm yeah. excited to see what it looks like. Yeah. I was amazed exactly. at how not awful it looked. Mm. Yeah. 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 That's been a Mitsubishi about it. You'd, you'd walk faster, you wouldn't quite know what it was, which yes. might be an advantage. Yeah, which Could, is- be. <laughs> Could be. Could um, be. So there's, there's number one uh, off the rank. The second one is huge. Um, it's the second best-selling SUV on the market. Um, the first half of this year, we're going to have an updated Mazda CX-5. Yep. Um, so what are we looking at? It's a facelift. Um, so there'll be some cosmetic tweaks. And we're going to have, according to Justin, some variant-specific styling. So it won't be a generic look. There'll be some tweaks here and there according to what you buy. And the, the big technical uh, change is that Mazda has uh, said enough in terms of its Skyactiv dual-clutch auto and put in a six-speed torque converter automatic. They must have had some uh, customer feedback, Good I dare say, on that one. Mate, still missing the one thing that it desperately needs to take on the RAV4, and that is, of course, a hybrid powertrain. So it's uh, it's a shame that it's not there yet. A proper yeah. hybrid, that is. Yeah, just win the looks contest. I think, you know, people who are not that concerned about, you know, technology, right. they look at it and just go, I'd rather have one of those than Toyota. It yeah, is, and it's, it's, it's really so, nice. It's so odd, though, isn't it? I'm I'm a fan of the Mazda three. I I love the way that car looks, notwithstanding its blind spot kind of shortcomings that the people have called out, including myself. I think it looks lovely, and some people can't stand it. Mm. Um, and I just wonder whether the CX five is is in a similar boat. But it's is not it less. Is it is it less argument? I find the three thing amazing. As we know, one of our colleagues described the three as too masculine. Too like, masculine. Too masculine. Bottom three. The three, the Mazda three, our, our friend Tim Keane says it's too masculine. Oh, that's crazy. I, so I don't think the CX-5 is, is quite so controversial, to be honest. It's, it's just a really stylish kind of traditional shape. But certainly I was a bigger fan of the former Mazda 3 design. Right. The new the one. new one. Interesting. Put down the middle. See, because I think you're mental, because I reckon it's fantastic. But anyway. <laughs> not, not right, let's Mazda 3. I'm with you. He's mental. <laughs> <laughs> and then a very interesting one up next. We're over into the electric space. Yeah. Um, zero emissions. The Merc EQB, so we're into a different size segment, um, the third quarter of this year, and it's going to kick off with the what they're calling the EQB 350, mm-hmm. 215 kilowatts, dual motor, all-wheel drive, um, 419 kilowatts of range. It's happening. It's, yeah. it's really happening. Merc is making a solid push into that space. 
Yeah, and the EQC is a super solid vehicle, so I expect the EQB will be pretty good too. Yeah. I'm yep. very curious about the range with four people in gear in it. Like you're playing yep. 419A, you're going to get more than 350. Right. Well, that'll be our job. That'll mm. be our job, I suspect, to uh, to put it to that kind of test. It's a good you're, call. You expect the great. road the car for 350 kilometres, James? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, another big one, another big gun uh, arriving in 2022, Nissan X-Trail, fourth generation, uh, now uh, what are we saying? Midsize SUV, redesigned inside and out. Mm-hmm. And look, 2.5 litre naturally aspirated petrol four cylinder engine. That's going to be in a museum soon. And here's be. a new model arriving no turbo, no hybrid, but they will have an e power uh, series hybrid eventually. But that's going to be such a rarity, just a naturally aspirated petrol engine. Absolutely. But mate, the e power is exciting. I'm, I'm, so, full disclosure, I haven't driven one, but it is a really interesting take on electrification. So, I'm, I'm very excited to get behind the wheel of one and see what it's like. Hmm. It's, Good. A, it's okay. a real, um, it's not broke, don't fix it. Like, it is at sometimes extra the world's biggest selling SUV. But that would always just stuns me. Like, yes, it's so popular everywhere. It always just the last few have looked a bit. You know, same, same. Whereas if I look at the photo of this particular in the rear, it looks like it's going to be a bit cooler. Yeah, yes. absolutely. And it looks okay. in the front too, but also it's good timing for Nissan too. They, they're in desperate need of a new product. Yeah. And 2022, 2023 looks like they'll finally be getting it. So, yeah, good good things ahead. It's true. It's true. They've been working hard around Navarro with some of those um, local, um, you know, versions and things, but you're yeah, right. New, new product from the factory is yeah. uh, very absolutely. timely. Absolutely. Uh, okay. A brand we all know and love <clears throat> is uh, Tesla <laughs> and the Model, the model X. So late uh, this year, uh, we'll have a revised Model X as well as a Plaid, a Plaid flagship. We're going to have a a big hulking uh, SUV capable of zero to 100 in 2.6 seconds. Yes. How how does that work out in the parking, you know, the the car park when you're picking something up on the way home before? That's, the, uh, it's crazy the, performance. Watch the road toll skyrocket. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I hated the old Model X with the power of a thousand suns, and I don't see any reason for it to change with this new one, to be perfectly honest. The, the, I don't know about you, Steve, but the, the thing that got me about the Model X is its proportions. It just yes. looked very yes. big and heavy in the back. It was There was something quite off about the balance of the it design. Like, it looks like an egg. There's, a, there's something wrong with it. Yeah. But it's also yeah. my favourite of all the thousands of cars that have come to this house, my kid's favourite car. And I always say that what tesla does brilliantly is that it, it appeals somehow to the, the people kids. who are going to grow up is it the, the it's the car. doors it's the goal well, they like the doors, doors but they yeah. love obviously they love the screen in every tesla but they love being able to run up and down the corridor in the middle of it Amazing. <laughs> yeah that's cool that's what good a hor- what a horrible waste of those doors though to be no, look, like i've said before we once bought a we once bought a car because the uh instruments illuminated blue at night <laughs> that was that was the key but selling did it point. Fart when you put the indicators on. No, 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 no. Good point. All right, now uh, what we're on to next? Model X. Then we go. Oh, the yes. big gun, the biggest of big guns, the Rav Four. It's the 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 best selling SUV in the country. Um, it's the fifth generation Rav Four. It's going to be upgraded for model year twenty twenty two. New front lighting, uh, new advanced safety, you know, um, uh, systems. Mm. to, to uh, try and avoid a crash, uh, including rear cross traffic alert, which would be a big one, um, that Toyota would be uh, behind the pace. But, wow, it's onward and upward for the RAV4 if they can get enough of them. Yeah, that's the big question, isn't it? I think that's Mazda CX-5 actually outsold the RAV last month because they just can't get any of them. That was mm. before they started uh, shuttering factories temporarily. They couldn't yeah. get them when they were at full production. So the big question is, can they get enough of these things to satisfy demand, really? 
Yeah. You mentioned being a Toyota dealer and just going, I guess I'd like to sell you one, but uh, I know you're going to walk across to someone else's showroom yeah. now and buy a car. I, I, was, I was amazed. I was watching some of the Winter Olympics um, on the TV, free to wear, and there were Land Cruiser 300 series commercials. Yeah. I thought, wow, that's got to be a brand building exercise as opposed to trying to shift some metal because I don't know how many years we're out yeah, to waiting for particular metal. models of that thing. Mate, it's it's even like skiing, Mate, they reckon it's four years in Japan at the moment for a 300. Wow. Wow, that's when we'll be ready for, you know, the midlife update. A facelift, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Given the way the, the Land Cruiser family works, that it'll be around for about 72 years. So Correct. Yeah, yeah good we'll point. be quite ready for an update. Um, we we're talking about facelifts at Tiguan, but it's the Tiguan Allspace, so the larger version thereof. Um, we've had an update for the, what do you want to call it, the, the standard Tiguan. Um, this is the Allspace, second quarter, uh, facelift, new front fascia, Optional matrix LED headlights, and the LED headlights are becoming pretty much ubiquitous. So if you don't have those, you're off the pace. So all of a sudden, um, and a new multimedia system, um, new climate control controls, um, and all kinds of stuff. So that one's copying the same kind of update that the Tiguan did. Yeah, awesome. Mate, I think Volkswagen do the in-cabin tech better than just about anyone, really. So uh, that update will be cool for that car. Sweet. The space is weird. It's so big, it looks like it's pregnant. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. And look, sticking with Volkswagen and Tiguan, uh, Tiguan R. So it'll be the first R-branded SUV sold here. And with the Australian appetite for performance cars, performance mm-hmm. variants of things, Witness AMG, Hyundai's success with N, uh, BMW M, all of that stuff, per capita, we just go nuts for these things. So Volkswagen's obviously, obviously tapping into all of that. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about the performance SUVs, to be perfectly honest, but uh, I'm sure they'll sell plenty of them. No, I, I, I was reviewing the Kona R, and I remember saying in the video, it just kind of came to me, I said, once again, we're trying to make a high-riding SUV handle like a low-slung sports car. Right. Makes yeah. no sense, but here we are. You know, yeah. that's, this, yeah. is, this is what we're trying to do. Not quite as time I drive. Every time I drive McCann, it's the same thing. Like, this is a Porsche, is it? Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I, I McCann do it better than most, to be fair, but I just think uh, it, it, it's not as fast, not as performance-focused as a hot hatch, not as comfortable as an SUV. So it's kind of the it's, worst. It's probably a whole other discussion, but I think Porsche is kind of getting to grips with what an SUV is. The early ones were a bit, mm, but yeah. I think they're kind of getting an understanding for it now. But that's, that's a whole sidetrack we could go down <laughs> at another time. Now, here is a brand that has... Uh, not been setting the world on fire in terms of sales. Um, it's, it's just a trickle of cars going out of the Citroen showrooms. But we're going to have a C5X in the third quarter. So it's a mid-sized SUV. Um, you'll have a traditional engine, a 1.6-litre turbo petrol, and a plug-in hybrid. So it's on the pace in terms of that. And Justin has very diplomatically described it as for style-conscious buyers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking of Justin, and not to take anything away from this wonderful story, but I do love that he started that one with, this isn't the Citroen C5 many have come to know and love. I don't know how many. Yeah, yeah, that's what right. I, what I think they've done very cleverly is called a C5X, so they might get some Mazda buyers looking for a CX5 by mistake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> close enough. I did the I did the arithmetic at one point uh, during 2021 in terms of the number of Citroen dealers and the numbers of cars sold, yeah. and the fraction of a car sold by each dealer every month was just uh, made shocking reading. Anyway, I do I play that same game when the numbers come out. Yeah, there are some there are obviously some months when Citroen dealers don't see a single person. No, that's <laughs> right. So anyway, maybe the CX5 uh, C5X, beg your pardon, will turn will turn will turn things around. Yeah, and the CX5. 
Um, <laughs> now then, Genesis, this is a brand that, to my mind, has been doing the stealthy, let's build up, don't set big expectations, um, plant the brand in people's mind and then try and shift some metal. Uh, their, their numbers have been growing at a, at a steady, you know, a mild but steady pace. And here we go, the GV70 electrified, so midsize SUV, um, all-wheel drive, 360 kilowatts, 700 newton metres, mm. nor, nor to 100 less than five seconds, and you're going to have a 400-kilometre range. Yeah, pretty um, good. So to me, that's pretty exciting product. And according to Genesis, so, you know, they're biased. I was talking to them about who's coming into their showrooms, you know, who's going to go for a Genesis. It's an unknown thing and they said oh look people are curious there are there are people who own multiple cars are saying well maybe maybe we'll just give one of those a try and see what it's yeah. like so they're, they're getting some bites that at that I really like them. I had the shooting brake recently. I think it's fantastic. You know, I always love a station wagon over an SUV personally, but that was great. But every time I have a Genesis, you get a lot of people walk up going, what is that? What is yes. That? If you, yes. If you're a certain sort of person who wants to be noticed, that's it's a reasonably affordable way to get noticed. Isn't it? Well, I think it's also because they've got their styling game face on, you know, yeah. the, 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 the cars are good looking. And I forget who I was talking to, one of the members in our team saying it was uh, misattributed as a Bentley. Is that is that a Bentley? Yes. You know that yep, kind I've of stuff, a like a really, yeah, really yeah. high end stuff. Especially yeah. that GV seventy electrified too definitely gives us some sort of Bentley vibes at the front yep. end, doesn't it? Mm. Yep. Now, next up, we're into Lexus's. What is shaping up as the best selling uh, model for the brand, the Lexus NX. So uh, this is one where it's it's pretty much on arrival. Um, this story ran over Christmas and New Year. And so this one was uh, set for January, but it's it's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, 179 kilowatt NX350, first plug-in hybrid PHEV. Um, and it will only uh, reinforce that car's position, I imagine, as Lexus's bestseller. It's the way into the brand. Yeah, I think the 350 is the regular hybrid, isn't it? The 450... Oh, 450H. Plus, that's right. H, It'll be even more, H 227. Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. Now, um, I drove all of those yesterday, but unfortunately, due to an embargo, I can't tell you anything about it except this. Now, does it look better than that, um, that photo? Oh, like it, it looks like it's the first time I've sat in a Lexus ever and thought, oh, they've got it right. Oh, cool. Oh, wow. It's only partly because they've got rid of that stupid mouse thing. Oh, yeah, the oh, Remote touch. It's called yeah, Remote Touch. Giant, giant screen. It is uh, oh, that's good. quite revolutionary. Good, because I think there was a real reluctance through, I don't know what it might have been, loss of face or whatever. Yeah. Well, um, Lexus customers love it, James. I've been told so many times, oh, no, oh, I know you don't like it, but Lexus customers love it. <laughs> okay, well, they've got rid of it for whatever reason. Not it must anymore. be for some other reason, just to Not spite anymore. their customers. Yes. Right. <laughs> um, and then we were talking about Mazda uh, only moments ago. CX60. So mm -hmm. a mid-size SUV, it slots into that ever, you know, more finely sliced range of Mazda SUVs. It's a five-seater, um, but it's the beginning of this new kind of generation of rear or all-wheel drive and inline six-cylinder engines yeah. and plug-in hybrid powertrains. Mazda going in a distinctly different direction, which I think is in a bold but, but really positive move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, I, the the CX along the regular C's kind of makes sense for Mazda now, don't they? We know it works with the CX thirty, for example. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, um, if you're going to go for a, a more premium positioning, um, the inline six and rear wheel drive would be in line with that. So it'll be very yeah, interesting to see how that car drives. But I also think that Lexus and Mazda are both about to uh, prove that plug-in hybrids can be uh, exciting and not just economical. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's good. Um, all right, now, 
Range Rover. This is, you know, the granddaddy of them all, really. Um, you could argue that the rain, original Range Rover kicked off the whole luxury SUV thing um, when it was just, it was a four-wheel drive that happened to be pretty comfy to get around the, the farm in. Mm. Um, but the headline act of this new one, which is arriving in June, is going to be the P530 flagship, and it'll use basically a, a BMW M engine, 4.4-litre yeah. twin-turbo petrol V8. Wow. So even though it's a behemoth, it will be fast. Mm. Yeah. And speaking about sporty SUVs, just what are you saying about sporty SUV? Yeah, I know. I, look, I, to me, I, I, I know Range Rover has a huge, a huge following, and you know, plenty of loyalists. But I, I don't, I don't really get it anymore. I, I, the, the idea of a four point four liter twin turbo petrol V eight, I know, twenty twenty two, seems to touch old school to me. It's interesting. Interesting. But, All right. Well, I'll tell you what. You got Range Rover. How good are they at design? Like making something oh. that big look good is not easy. But Jerry's a genius. Like, and the Velar is just beautiful. Like I don't like SUVs. That's beautiful. No, yeah. I agree. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. the Defender's a, a triumph for design as well. I think it looks same cool. here. Same here. Love it. Yeah, that, that for, for years, for a decade or more, they've just been turning out consistent winners in my right. eyes anyway. Always, always subjective, but there you go. Um, and then to finish off the, the SUVs, Skoda Karok. So uh, it's going to be a subtle kind of nip and tuck, according to Justin. Um, you know, it's the, it's the usual suspects. The bumper gets a, a, a makeover, wider intake, redesigned headlights, uh, fresh alloy wheel designs, and on it goes, slimmer taillights. Um, we're going to carry over with a lot of the powertrains, but so it's getting a, a zhuzh up, as they would say, yeah. um, around March. Yeah. All right. Generally, I don't understand why I see so few Skodas on the road. Oh. It, it yeah, makes really so good. much sense because 2020 was a pretty good year for Skoda. 2021 yeah. wasn't as strong. It's it's really um, it's difficult to work out, but uh, I think it's a brand with a lot to recommend it. Mm. Yeah, I agree. All right. Now, we're into what we're calling crossovers, but I just see it as more SUVs. Um, because we ran it as a separate story. They are 100% SUVs. That's right. Now, this Cupra, we've got a bit of a head start on Cupra because our very own Tung, our uh, temporary correspondent in Dublin, Ireland, has driven and tested, reviewed uh, on video as well, the Cupra Formenta, which we're going to receive in June. So it's a new brand, completely fresh to the Aussie market. It's Mm -hmm. sprung out of performance variants of the Sayat, uh, brand and now Volkswagen spun it off to be a standalone performance one and we'll get the Attica or Attica um, I'm not sure quite how to pronounce it the Attica is the larger of the two it's related, uh, related to the Skoda Karok that we were just talking about the Formenta is more golf related so um, you know you're talking about 220 kilowatt plus flagships for both of them mm. Cooper Cooper is pretty determined to make a splash when it arrives here yeah, I'm interested to see how that all unfolds, to be honest. I, but I haven't been following the Cooper story too closely, but where are they positioning it? Is it between Skoda and Volkswagen or you? I, I, think, or? I think at first flush you go, I'd say that's where it would be, but time will tell, mm. really. Yeah, right. Um, so and hats off for coming up with a new word, for mentor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Formenta. Like Sid's uh, said before, it sounds like something out of Harry Potter. Yeah, you know, you've got you've got your, you've got your dementors and your four mentors. And your four mentors. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> um, so then we go to Honda. Here's another one with aspirations uh, to move up market, and we've uh, spoken at length about their business model and and how customers will be able to access the product. Mm-hmm. But HRV HRV is a pretty important one. Um, fifth generation version of the car. Um, it's set to become Honda's bestseller, and we'll have a hybrid powertrain. Yeah, um, couldn't, couldn't come soon enough. Couldn't either. come soon enough. So it'll be what we tend to call self-charging. Um, yeah. So a bit like Toyota's hybrids. 
um, with a naturally aspirated petrol engine um, as the entry level option. So that's one to wait for. And yeah, it's early 2022 as well. What I do like about that picture, mate, is it does. It looks like they've taken a little bit of styling inspo from the Honda E, which I love. So that um, that rear that rear sort of harks mm. to that model for yes. me. Yeah, it could be cool. And it looks like a red van. Can confirm there are a few Honda E's in Australia that have been uh, um, brought in as Brand low volume yeah. imports. Yeah, um, yeah. a couple of Facebook groups I subscribe to that are around spotting particular cars, and I saw a spotto uh, yesterday of an E. There are a few around. Anyway, um, now we're on to. What are we on to? Kia Seltos. Yeah. Kia Seltos in the second half. Um, it hasn't been formally revealed yet, um, but the d- design is said to better align with the fifth generation Sportage. Hmm. And I'm a fan of the Sportage. It's a fairly dramatic departure in terms of a change from the last Sportage. Hmm. So if this Seltos is anything like it, I reckon I'm going to like it and other people uh, may too. You're going to get more advanced driver assist systems so that active safety improve. Um, and the four-cylinder engine could get a more powerful tune, according to Justin. So the Seltos just gets better and better. Yeah, and look, they know how important that car is for them as well. It's hugely well-received. As you know, they sold plenty of them, so there'll be a lot of focus on making this one as good as possible, I imagine. Yes. Yeah, just speaking design goals, I had a, I had a uh, taxi driver telling me yesterday that the same car for 10 years, he's going to sell it and buy a new car just because he loves the look of Kia so much. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. He loves them. Can't, can't wait to get a Sportage. Isn't that interesting? Kia is a brand that has made, I mean, stating the bleeding obvious, but it's a brand that's made such leaps and bounds, particularly in just the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and you know, um, the thing that demonstrated that to me was when Kia first took over from Ford as sponsor of the Australian Open, I thought, mm-hmm. oh, what? You know, that's, yeah. they're like a minnow, you know, it, it, Ford was so big as a, and then now it's like perfectly aligned. Absolutely. Um, very prescient move. But uh, yeah. anyway. Now, uh, Mercedes-Benz again, but EQA, second quarter, um, launched in entry-level EQA 250 trim, so it'll be all-wheel drive, and that's so much easier with electric motors. Um, what are we talking about? 215 kilowatts, 520 newton metres in a little SUV, uh, and a range of over 400 k's again. Mm. So there, there we go again, Mercedes-Benz going boots and all. Yeah, I think I want to see an AMG version. What's AMG going to do with all this electric power? Well, AMG's heading down the electric path as well. And mm. I, for a brand that has put so much, um, what's the word, focus on the exhaust pipe, like, you know, that, yeah. that throaty kind of V8 rumble, uh, it would be a challenge for them more than most uh, yeah. as to how they get into an electric performance sphere. Now, here's one that is super, super important. Uh, the new Nissan Qashqai. Um, it's big one, redesigned inside and out, tiny little 1.3 litre turbo petrol four cylinder, mm-hmm. um, but they'll also have a hybrid powertrain and it's another e-power uh, Nissan. So again, the hybrid's coming to, to shore up uh, the offering in Australia and, and take it up to Toyota, which has owned the hybrid space for, for the last little while. Yeah, but a really interesting, again, you know, a really interesting take on electrification. I I really hope Australians uh, respond well to it because Nissan, to my knowledge, are the only ones really doing that e-power system in in which the petrol motor only ever charges the battery. The battery is the only thing that ever runs the wheels. That's right, yes. Um, So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see how we respond. And, again, I can't wait to drive it. I love new tech and I haven't driven one yet, so it's uh, yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, I remember because... Similar layout was uh, such a success. The Holden Vault was was yeah. huge when it. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah, mm. and wasn't Mazda going to do the same thing with the rotary? That's the idea: is the rotary would power the battery, but we haven't seen it. Haven't seen it yet. Right. No, no. 
Um, and I remember driving a prototype Audi that had a rotary uh, range extender engine in it as well. They'd uh, bought some rights from Mazda to use the rotary. Or, yeah, right. Or the yeah. um, that was in Japan of all places. Anyway, now Toyota, talk about boss of the wash, Toyota Corolla Cross. Now this joins the Yaris Cross um, as here we were bemoaning the whole notion of a crossover, but yeah, <laughs> Corolla, really Corolla Cross. So really it's a, it's alleged to slip, uh, slip between Yaris Cross and CHR and then RAV4 and Kluger, so it, it, it splits the difference there. Um, and it's the second half of 2022. Now, the yeah. Yaris Cross is not exactly cheap, and I just wonder where the Corolla Cross might be pitched in terms of dollars. Mate, the days of Toyota's being cheap, but by their own admission, are sort of long behind them. The Yaris itself, the city car, is uh, is a fortune yeah. as well. But there's also long been mailed that the CHRs on the way out, and so the uh, these new Cross models are going to be the, the SUV lineup moving forward. Fulfill that role. Yeah, I just see. I just see a buyer in the Toyota showroom who can't wait anymore for a Rav Four. Yeah, laser coming yeah. to one of these. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but then, will you be able to get a Toyota Cross? Well, that's true. Yes. More. <laughs> um, and then we're back to Volkswagen. Third quarter, T Rock. Um, so it feels like it's only been here five minutes. That's yeah. because it was around overseas for some time before it landed here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get an upgrade um, before you know it. New lights, bumpers, wheels, multimedia, safety improvements, the things that we've seen in some of these others. Mm-hmm. We're going to get a T-Rock R. So that's 221 kilowatts. It'll be all-wheel drive. So all of a sudden, you've got a competitor for things like the Kona N, mm-hmm. but all-wheel drive as opposed to front-wheel drive, and that just may do enough to swing some people over that way. It'll be an interesting car once it gets here. I reckon it's a cool-looking thing, to be honest. Yep. It looks, looks, like, looks fairly premium and nice. And to be honest, it's, the, it's kind of the – if you're going to hot-hatchify an SUV, that's the right size, obviously. Yeah, yeah. All right. And speaking of the right size, Nero, Kia Nero, um, what are we talking? Second half of this year, mm-hmm. talk about choice, hybrid, plug-in hybrid, all-electric. Um, it's based on a concept car called the Hubba Nero um, yep. from the 2019 um, New, no, York, New York Motor Show. I remember it. So spicy. <laughs> it's very spicy. Oh, habanero, yes. Uh, yeah. So um, what's the scale that they use to rate chilies? Scoville. Scovilles. Scovilles. Yeah, I wonder where it ranks on the Scoville scale. Anyway, <laughs> um, So that's the second half of the year. And we've got a couple to go. MG, such a mover and shaker in terms of repositioning the market and <laughs> taking a big chunk of share um, from other brands. It's now the MG ZS EV is the second best-selling all-electric model in Australia, um, and it's going to get a facelift, and it's going to have two larger capacity battery options, so increased range up to 440 kilometres, and 400 kilometres seems to be the magic number at the moment. If you can get a battery big enough to store enough to go 400, that allays people's fears in terms of I'm not going to run out of uh, juice while, while I'm out and about. Yep. So for MG, that's a big win. It just shows that there's so many people coming to the team. I want to buy an EV, but like they're all too expensive. What's the cheapest one I can get? I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. And then we're going to go the last of all, Suzuki S-Cross. And that's a model that I haven't thought of for a long time, but Man. we're going to get we're going to get a third generation version of it. Mate, if I'm being totally honest, I could say the same about the brand. <clears throat> yeah. Jim, Jimny aside. Um, yeah, look, yeah. why not? Let's yeah, bring it on, I guess. Let's, Suzuki's, let's, in a, Suzuki's in a war with Citroen for, this, for the cars that I'd forgotten were still here. <laughs> what a war that is. Wow, I wonder if it's um, yeah, using drones or actual hand-to-hand <laughs> Um But 
seven or nine inch floating uh, touchscreen multi multimedia system. Sounds very exotic. Um, yeah. The 1.4 litre booster jet uh, turbo petrol four and Suzuki turbo engines are generally uh, pretty good. So, and there we might get a mild hybrid version. So it's very much the move into hybrid and on into uh, zero emissions EVs seems to be the theme. So yeah. There it all is. That's that's our mail in terms of what's arriving uh, across that part of the market in 2022. It'd be great to hear what people Question. listening and viewing think about it all. Question without notice. Mm-hmm. Last, uh, most exciting car from both those lists. Boy. What's well, not uh, the Suzuki? You reckon that's the lead? Have a look at that picture of that Suzuki. It's been one of the laziest bits of design I've seen in a long time. If, if they said that was a car from 1980, I'd go, I, I believe that. It, it, looks, it looks pretty... It looks pretty uh, Yes, generic almost. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's a rehash of various Suzuki elements into one car. Yeah. yeah. I suppose some of the all-wheel drive performance models, a T-Rock R would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that would be something to drive. I'd put that one forward. Well, I but think the, two, the FEVs, the two FEVs, the Lexus FEV and the Mazda FEV are going to be quite um, like game-changing. But also I'm very excited about the electric Benzes. Yeah. Ah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'll, yes. Throw, uh, I'll throw Cooper into the list just because I want to see a new brand. I'm excited to try something new. Very good. I've been you around know it's for good new. At the Volkswagen. You yes. know it's going to be good. <laughs> we've all we've all been around for new brands, and you know, Infinity uh, arrived and didn't work. I've seen Infinity arrive twice and not work. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what do Opal. I want to say? Opal um, yeah. and various others. So we'll see how Cooper goes. It will be interesting as time passes. Now we're going to move to our garage cars that we can drive right now. In fact, we have been driving. Uh-huh. And Chester, could I start with you, please? You can give us give us um, a a thumbnail, a, a good, a bad, a, a summation of the car that you have been driving lately, please. Is the thumbnail pointing down? Thumbnail yeah. pointing, which no, way no, is the no, thumbnail no, going? No, That's no, right, no. mate. It's uh, look. I, I spent a lot of time in the Havel Jolion Lux, which is uh, the the little SUV that there is sort of making is making inroads. Not not the same size inroads as MG, certainly, but. Um, you know, sales are sort of going in the right direction in the small SUV segment for them. In fact, they're just behind uh, Nissan. Uh, so they're sort of, they are sort of nipping at the heels of mainstream players in that segment. Mate, it's a value story. That's the reality. It's right 29990 drive away. You get a lot of stuff for that, you know, a really nice uh, techie interior, you know, big shiny wheels, a lot of jewellery on the outside. So it does feel like you get a lot of cash for the money. The, that, that's the good. So a lot of car for the money, I should say. The, the bad is that, look, dynamically, it's absolutely got some quirks. Uh, the way the cabin interface interacts with the driver definitely has some quirks. So mm-hmm. uh, value story, good in a lot of ways, not great in other ways, was how okay. I summarise it. Very good. Very good. Steve, you've been in a different world altogether. Um, please give us a similar summary on what you've been steering. Uh, the 911 GT3, my thumbnail is definitely up, but I must say that uh, <laughs> here is a car that is designed for the track, and if right. you are foolish enough to take it out on the Hume Highway, you will pay the price. Right. The, uh, if you take all the sound deadening out of a car, it turns out that it's quite loud. At one stage, I tried to call my wife and she thought I was trapped in a, uh, a concrete mixer and called for help. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> The ride's also a little bit shifty over things like concrete expansion joints, but then you're, okay. you're suffering going, why am I doing this? And then you get to the Macquarie Pass and it's and just it's superlatively wonderful and, you, and it's all worth it. It's all worth putting up, even 430,000 reasons to put up with how good it is. Amazing. Fantastic. Amazing. All, all right. I will finish off with a newcomer, Subaru BRZ. Um oh, yeah, so this is the this is the S. We've just had it. Our review is up on the site. Please uh, have a look, and we've got a video on YouTube. Uh, so now it's 2.4 litre, 
And it's still the Atmo petrol flat four, six-speed manual, rear-wheel drive, all the things from the original one, but more power. So you go up from 152 to 174 kilowatts and 212 to 250 newton meters, mm-hmm. um, 0 to 100, 6.3. So it's rapid without being blistering. Mm-hmm. But the pluses for me, more grunt. That grunt makes a lot of difference. More grip. The tyres are now not eco-focused tyres. They're Michelin Pilot Sport 4s. And the first thing people did when they bought a BRZ or an 86 was go one inch up and put 18s on the thing. So Subaru's done that and they're <laughs> 18s now. Um, the gearbox, the steering, all of that driving enjoyment is still there. On the minuses, I'm not so sure about the, the nose treatment, whether that's a step forward, um, just a subjective thing. And look, it's the nature of the car. It's not exactly practical. Uh, it doesn't, <laughs> you, you're buying this to enjoy it as a car. And it's, um, it's a few grand dearer. So yeah. you're getting all this stuff, but it's just a little more expensive. So that's a negative, but it's a, it's a massively enjoyable car to drive. But I love that car. It's, 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 a, it's an example like the MX-5 of a car where you don't have to be going that fast no. to be having a great time. And six seconds is, as you say, oh, it's, it's not, it's it's not very fast. It's, it's a real-world sports car. Yeah. And, you know, wind that, wind that thing out and the, the flat engine gets a really interesting note um, up in the higher register. It's, it's, yeah, it's huge fun. It's huge fun. All does right, it, that's does great. Does it feel new enough, JC? Does it, feel like, it, does it feel like a new car? Well, look, I suppose that's the balancing act, isn't it, Chester? You know, you've got a formula that's been well-received, mm-hmm. yet you've had some feedback about power and grip and all these things that have addressed all of that and yet kept the good traits, the good okay. elements from the early one. I'd say it's a, a successful upgrade. Awesome. Um, you know, it's cosmetic as well as, you know, fundamental in terms of how the car behaves. And the only thing they ever needed was more power. That's it. You wanted more power. That's it. That's it. So they've done it. Um, Now, we're going to go back to some feedback on last week's show, and we were talking about best EVs uh, arriving. So um, we've got the comment of the week. It's on top of the shipping container at the front of the Cars Guide forecourt. There's bunting around there, balloons, and it's JRosie777. He says, interesting podcast. The reality with electric cars is to get decent range, you need an 80 kilowatt hour battery or larger. Three things you inherit are weight, unnecessary performance, and the problem of battery recycling, especially as we have no mega car battery plants. The performance issue is a real worry as non-performance oriented drivers are now driving vehicles that are twice as fast as they originally had. And he's not wrong. I mean, electric cars, even if the outright power figure isn't as high, the acceleration is much more urgent, you know. Um, with Australia's million-plus car market and half a million tonnes of batteries per year eventually reaching end of life, storage, fire hazard, toxicity, and expense to recycle and export battery materials, we're heading down a road blindly. Our grid might be old, but it's worth many billions of dollars, so who's going to subsidise the replacement? With cars coming on board and moving to carbon neutral generally, we'll need to triple the grid we have now. Manufacturers are being forced by the EU to go electric, but they have over 120 nuclear power plants. So this business model is not a fit for Australia, which still on the East Coast is sometimes still over 90% coal gas, uh, coal and gas powered uh, at night, which makes those who charge overnight blind as they don't factor the extra five tonnes of CO2 pollution to manufacture electric vehicles and the distance required to drive to negate their overall carbon footprint. It's a fool's game. Wow. And the media should be educating the public. Hang on, we're the media? Okay. I know. I have, well, I have there, here we are doing our bit. 
I have three problems with this. One is the phrase unnecessary power. Um, <laughs> uh, the second is like you have to understand what, what V2G is going to do. And we're running trials of this at the moment. So if you've got your electric car plugged in mm. and there's, a, there's too much strain on the system, within tenth of a second, that electric car can put the power back into the grid. Mm. And in an ideal world, we've got the fastest rollout of solar panels in the world. You charge that car with your solar panel during the day. You leave the power in it, and then the power can support the grid. So I think once people will get their head around B2G and once that starts getting rolled out, that'll make a huge difference. Mm. And the third, the third thing is not so much a problem that I kind of agree that um, I would be terrified if my teenager was learning to drive in even our Kona EV because it's not, they say it's not fast, but it is the, the potential it has, particularly in the mid-range, to, to rip, the, rip your yeah, head off no, is no, quite no. frightening. Yeah, it's different. It's a different characteristic altogether in terms of... You wouldn't want someone learning that, would you? Like a learner is not going to cope with that temptation, I guess is the thing. I've got a similar series of rants, but there are some things I agree with. My first point is this. This whole whole idea of to get decent range, you need an 80 kilowatt hour battery. I disagree with. I think this obsession with driving range is the wrong way to look at EVs. We we know how far the average Australian drives every day. I think from memory, it's 33.6 kilometres. So essentially, the average Australian would need a range of 50 kilometres to have a safety to get to work and home and plug in again overnight. It's more about recharging speed. Yeah, so this push for 1,000 kilometres, 80 kilowatt hour batteries, I just think that's the wrong way to look at EVs. You need to look at how they fit into your life. Secondly, the, the performance issue, I agree with that. I remember when I first drove that Tesla, which was 0 to 100 in, you know, minus six seconds. Yeah. I did think to myself, man, this is like really verging on dangerous for people who aren't, like you're getting Lamborghini beating speed for people who might might have just swapped out of a Camry. That's a, that's a scary sort of blend, a scary mix. And finally, my final point on this is, yes, look, the Australia's energy supply is a global embarrassment. There's there's no denying that. But that's no reason to not make the shift. We just need to look at it more holistically. Yeah, We we can't say because we burn coal and gas, we shouldn't have EVs. Perhaps we should be looking at burning less coal and gas would be my That's interesting. That's interesting. My my two bobs is that it puts me in mind of Milton Morris, former New South Wales Transport Minister, would be spinning in his grave because he was responsible for the killer supercars headline that knocked over the GTHO phase four um, and all of that muscle car stuff in Australia. And at the risk of sounding like a free market economist, um, I think these ways have, uh, these things have a a way of working themselves out according to people making a buck from it. So if, if there's a demand, people will find a way to meet that demand and, and, and score some dough from it. And if, um, I can, so, if I can have one choice, out of Australia's hands, aren't they? Because if the rest of the world goes electric, we don't have a car. We don't that's have it, our own car. So just, you know, if you get an electric cars, deal with it. That's yeah. exactly my point, Corbs. You, you, this whole idea of like, oh, well, we, we, don't do, we don't do electric cars in this country. We also don't build them. So that we, it will get yeah. to the stage where you'll get driven <laughs> or you'll walk. It's yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. All right. Well, good, good feedback and good discussion. Thank you. With that, we've reached the finish line. So I want to say thank you, Steve. And thank, and thank you, Chester. Thank you, everyone. And thanks to our podcast production champion, director of schmoozing and head geek, Mr. Pritchard, for his slick recording and editing skills. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying there's a 99.9% chance that I don't care. Elephant pants and lobster slides. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, it's a really, I think it's a good look. It's striking. Jump into the conversation. Cars Guide's on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. Apple Podcast listeners, please take a moment to rate and review the show. Five is the preferred number. That'd be good. Uh, Thank you. Uh, If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, a mate of mine was driving on an outer suburban kind of 
semi-rural road when a cat darts out in front of him. He tries to avoid it, but to no avail. Gets out, the cat's wearing a collar, so he knows it's a pet, um, and feeling terrible, he looks around for the nearest house. Um, spotting a place not too far away, he heads up the drive, goes up to the door and knocks. Bloke answers the door, and my mate says, hello, look, I'm terribly sorry, but I think I've run over your cat. Old mate says, well, we have several cats. What did it look like? Mate says, hard to say, really. Sort of startled, I suppose. Yep. Jason. <laughs> Jason. <laughs>